This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Dave Jones, the weeks don't get any bigger, any bigger than Ohio State week, I think, for Penn State football. Maybe Michigan week, but I kind of like, I think Penn State, Ohio State does it a little bit more for me. How about you? You know, I was talking to Bill Bender from the Sporting News on their podcast today, and he he grew up in Lancaster, Ohio, right next to Columbus. And he, he asked me if he thought that Penn State fans were as bent out of shape over them not declaring Ohio State as a perpetual rival as vice versa, because he said Ohio State fans are really upset about this, that they like Penn State every year and they're they're not happy about it. I think, I think Penn State did not want a natural rival. Yeah, I don't think I don't think James Franklin wanted a part of it. I don't think Ryan Day wanted to say I don't think. No, I mean, they're sick of it. Why would you if you're a coach? So they don't care about the fans and they don't care about tradition and they care about their their wallets and perpetuating their programs. But. I'm not sure Penn State fans care all that much about playing Ohio State. Do you do you think so or what? I mean, I think they care, but it's they're they're conflicted, Dave, because they can never beat them. Yeah, they want the easiest path to the tournament, right? Yeah, and I think they're just tired. They're they're just tired of you know it's it's Lucy and Charlie Brown, man. She's always pulling. They get a lead in the fourth quarter, and she pulls the football away, and the next thing you know. You know, it's it's a disaster. It's been it's happened too many times on his watch. So I told him also that I think I didn't look at it that way, but you're probably right. I told him that this program still has a, a pretty good sector of people who are used to being an independent and never wanted in the Big Ten in the first place. <laughs> and they're still alive and they're still kicking around in their 80s. <laughs> no, their 60s. I mean, there were people. Uh, the first time we went to, to Columbus was 30 years ago this month. Raymond Harris? They ultra back 24 to 6 in the snow squall on October 30th. It was Halloween. Mm-hmm. And ever since then and the next year, Penn State destroyed him 63 to 14. And off we went. And Bill and I threaded back through. I mean, there were so many great games. The Ricky Dudley game was the next year in State College. After that, uh, a forgettable game in Columbus, and then that incredible 97 game in State College. The 05 game. With, yeah, with Curtis Enos, and um, really, really good game. 2013 game. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Penn State fans. I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. Anyway, maybe down the line when we get a, a super conference, a 32-team, one-entity super conference like the NFL, They'll put them into a division with Ohio State, but they might not anyway. So anyway, it's over after this year, except for how often I didn't look at the at future schedules. What is it? Every other year or what? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's every other year they're going to play at least one of the two. I don't know if they're going to play both of them, though, again in the same year. I'd have, have to go look. But, but every, one or the other. And yeah. yeah, I mean, this has been 30 years of this, and we've had fantastic games, even though Penn State ends up losing a lot lately. They've been wonderful games to watch. They have. They have. And I think Penn State fans, I think they're tired. Of, I think they're tired of hanging their hat on 2016, Dave, quite frankly. It's, it, it was neat when it happened, but as time has gone on, 
the 17 game, the 18 game, even the 2021 game. I mean, it was 33-24. Buddy, last year, last year. And last year. But, I mean, 2021, was, it was kind of a game, too, until that, that, uh, that fumble return for a touchdown. It's just been whoever needs – whenever a big play needs to be made in this series, you know who's going to make it or you know who has made it. Yeah, I think I think 2017 and 2018 were the most painful because those were really oh, 2017 was you could argue that was the best Penn State team in the in the Franklin era, and even though they they, they were ahead that 39 38 game, my God, I mean, I they they were ahead a lot of the game, <laughs> they couldn't hang on, but even then, if they just beat Michigan State in that lightning delay game, they're in the tournament. And they would have gotten another shot at him. So even that has to be frustrating as hell. I, I, I'm remembering going to Columbus 30 years ago. We had like a dinner at John Galbraith's house. And it, it was a big deal. Is that the owner of the Pirates? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out, out in the middle of uh, the John Galbraith farm. And he made a presentation. And Coach Cooper, John Cooper's there. And Paterno. And all of the media. It was, it was a scene, man. What were you drinking? Oh, we're, we're, it's, it's, everything is on the house. It's the best scotch, the best, the best bourbon. It, it really was, and we're all in suits and ties. And it written, and Galbraith made a special presentation, and I think that was his kid at that point. I'm not sure. And anyway, there's all this, there's all these, this taxidermy up on the walls <laughs> in this place, and <laughs> like onyxes with curly horns and stuff. Going off the rails, David. It's going <laughs> off the rails. And and, and one of the Galbraiths is making a speech, and we're all standing at a toast. And Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch <laughs> goes like this, and he goes, "Josie, Josie," and he look, he points up, and he goes, "Roadkill." <laughs> <laughs> there are no more cocktail parties for Penn Live beat writers. No, 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 there weren't. Out, there weren't. out in Columbus these days, it's going to be a noon kick, Dave. Uh, I just wanted to r- run a couple things by you real quick. Uh, the last time I checked, Ohio State was about a four and a half point favorite. Total somewhere around 47, 48. What happened? Nick Horvath told me it opened at 10 last week. Is that wrong? So I think back in the summer, Ohio State was a double digit favorite because I didn't really know much to expect about Penn State this year. I, I saw where somebody said it opened at seven. I don't think it ever was more than seven in the last couple of weeks, but. It is legitimately. It was four and a half as of Monday afternoon. It'll probably it'll probably wander a little bit, but if you like if you like the Lions, you're going to get more than a field goal in this game. So I knew that Penn, I knew that Ohio State would be favored. I just wasn't sure where the market would settle based upon money changing hands. But it's definitely going to be more than a field goal at kickoff. I think I had no idea. I hadn't looked at the line. Okay. Well, Nick explained that to me as. A sucker bet, and that the the wise guys, the odds makers, wanted lots of action on Penn State, so they made a giant line. I guess you know more about that stuff than I do. I never saw it that high, but I I, I knew it would. I I thought it would be close to seven when it opened, but maybe maybe he saw it somewhere else in Singapore because Nick plays all kinds of weird <laughs> gambling on these days. Something going on in Kuala Lumpur. I don't know what he's betting on. I don't know. It could be it could be Pinochle. I'm not sure what he's what what he's gambling on, but I'm sure he did find it at 10 points somewhere. I think it's the the sports book in Mali. Yes. So we're going to get to that later. 
you were very astute on watching tape. I'm sure you've watched as much Ohio State tape as I have, or at least almost as much. I don't know what you can take to the bank except for Notre Dame among these games. Can you can you even watch something like Purdue and extrapolate anything from it? I mean, see, I saw I saw uh, some of the some of the Notre Dame Ohio State game, but I, I, we had to kind of watch that a little bit as Penn State was playing. I saw all of the Maryland game. I just I struggle with that day because even if you watched some tape, you don't know how many players are going to be out for Ohio State. You don't know if they're going to be at full strength, if both those runners are going to play, if the wideout's going to play, if Denzel Burke's going to play. So they're a much different team if all of those guys are playing. But if they're without some of those guys, that could it's, it's going to hurt Ohio State as well. Yeah, and we're talking about the the, the wideout who was terrific uh, last year and the year before, Mika Agbuka, who has been a little bit fragile. He has been one of those guys who doesn't stay healthy all that well. and. He, I guess he's playing. I have heard he is going to play. Uh, but it's really about Marvin Harrison and whether Penn State's secondary can do what Maryland did. There, here's a little tape I took to the mag. If you saw what Maryland, the, the good job that Maryland's secondary did on him in the first half. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, he, the, I'm talking about for 27 minutes or whatever that was early in the game. And here's the problem with other schools compared to Penn State or Michigan. They don't have second or third units like Penn State or Michigan does. They just don't. I mean, I saw Indiana hang with Michigan for a good 25 minutes, and, and their first unit could do that. And then they just wear down. It was 7-7, seven to seven, but I think five minutes left in the first half ends up 52-7. to seven. Uh, I just don't know what you can take from some of these games, but there is this. The running backs have not been great for, for Ohio State. Trevion Henderson had an upper body injury. He hasn't played a hell of a lot. Um, Mayan Williams is kind of a plugger. Uh, he's been kind of out of shape, and he was in the doghouse. Chip Trainum is just a mutt by, by Ohio State standards, and he got hurt against Purdue. So they've, they've had like a third-teamer in there named Dallin Hayden. Actually, might do, you could call him a fourth-teamer. Who um, they they were talking about red shirting him? Uh, he had a hundred yard game at Maryland, and uh, last year, and he's they're they're talking about him having the best vision and ability to hit hit holes of maybe all of them, and willing to run inside. So you don't really know what you're going to get at the running back spot. You've got a lot of different kinds of backs. If Henderson plays, he's a, a game break. He's a home run hitter. Uh, but he doesn't run real well between the tackles. This Hayden kid kind of does. He had a pretty good game last week at Purdue, had some carries. So there's one unknown. Then you've got all of a sudden at, at quarterback, Kyle McCord kind of reminds you in, in the way he's a little bit cautious of Drew Aller. Would you agree with that? And he, he had taken vir virtually all the snaps until last week. And then I'm sure Ryan Day wanted to just show Manny Diaz this <laughs> Devin Brown, this dual threat they got, who is definitely a running quarterback. He actually wears number 33 uh, because he's, he's no Bo Prabula, Dave. He's no Bo Prabula. Yeah, I, I don't think he is either. But they wanted to show it down in the red zone, and they've had trouble down in the red zone. <laughs> you think he fumbled? They have had trouble out down in the red zone, so they wanted to show it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they'll even use Devin Brown. Um, who was the famous quarterback from Texas that back way back in the day? Sammy Ball, right? Sammy Ball. Flinging Sammy? Was it TCU? He wore, he wore 33 at TCU, and his dad loved him, and that's why Devin Brown wears 33. And that's why you're wearing that shirt. Yeah, yeah. So he wears 33 playing quarterback. It all comes, it all comes together nicely. Keep going. And, and then at wideout, you've, you've got Marvin Harrison, who's terrific, but he got dinged up at Notre Dame. He got an ankle. He got an ankle rolled up on. Um, Ibuka apparently is going to play, but you don't know how effective his, he's going to be. Julian Fleming, a really good blocker, but he hasn't gotten many targets. We know about him. Uh, there are a lot of unknowns and a lot of so-sos in this Ohio State offense, and we haven't even gotten to the offensive line, which I think is the story of Penn State's ability to win this game. Yeah, I mean, I I just I don't want to dis Dave. I don't want to discount both teams' running games, but I think when you think about ways how this game is going to play out, I think both defenses are going to have a major say. I am really, really curious how Manny kind of mixes it up with Marvin Harrison. I don't think you're ever going to see Marvin. I, I don't know if you remember last year. They they there were times where it was just. One of the first plays of the game, he got behind Kalen King for a long catch, 10 for 185. It was He didn't score, but he just ripped them apart. Um, I just think that you're going to see one of the safeties, uh, one, of the, one of Penn State's bigger safeties, and to me that's either, that's either uh, K.J. Winston or Zaki Wheatley, who's, uh, he, who's pretty good in pass coverage. Uh, you're going to see somebody over top, whoever the corner is, uh, on Marvin Harrison. That, that to me is, is the, the only way to go, I think. Manny is going to dare Ohio State to run, and I think Ohio State, I mean, James keeps talking about, he talked today, we're talking on Tuesday, we taped this a little bit early, he keeps talking about how Penn, or opposing defenses are so respectful of Penn State's running game that, it's, that, that it's, it's the major reason why, you know, neither one of these running backs have gotten untracked. I don't know if I believe that. I, I, don't, I don't really see that, Dave. I, I think that Penn State's issues on offense are they don't have a receiver who can just separate like Jahan Dotson or K.J. Hamler could. And I just think the running game is just above average right now. I don't I, – it did not take the step I thought it would take after the 2022 season. And that is just – that is, you know, music. I mean, to the it's, – it's just what the, – these defenses are going to control this game. I am convinced. I think both quarterbacks protect the ball and have been coached to protect the ball, not take chances. It smacks to me, I, we talked about it on the video after the UMass game, of the 08, not quite as bad, or the 02 game out there, or the, even the 2005 game that was at, at Beaver Stadium. It was Those games were controlled by the defenses. They, ha, they were in control the whole way. I think it's going to happen again. I, I think the score will be, they'll score a little bit more, but I just don't see the offenses. like you know, I, I do not see a high-scoring game. I don't think either team's getting into the 30s. This is the Blue-White Breakdown. So we haven't really dealt with with Ohio State's defense, which by Ohio State standards, it's, they've got a really good secondary. But their pass rush by Ohio State standards is kind of ordinary. I mean, there's no Bosa brothers. There's no there's no Chase Young. That's all I'm saying. And and we remember to a Mulau last year, like flying around everywhere. But he hasn't played like that this year. The alt kid from Notre Dame handled him. If you looked at that tape. He wasn't really much in evidence, and that's kind of what we have to look at here. 
I don't know if he he likes to play on uh, the defense's left side. I think he's going to end up going up against Fashanu. I do. And I think Fashanu can handle him. He didn't really last year, but I think it's a different year. And I think Olu Fashanu can at least get a draw with that. So it really comes down to Tyreek Williams inside and Mike Hall, who I think uh, Tyreek Williams is playing really well. Their tackles. Mike Hall is really still very good. Uh, so, so it's not a standard Ohio State defense where you got these guys careening off the edge, but they're very formidable up the middle and in the secondary. And I don't know where the point of attack is for, for Penn State against that defense. I just don't. Where are they going to throw to the – how are they going to get the ball down the field? How are they going to beat back those safeties? Are they going to run tight end streaks down the, down the spine or what? I don't know. So I just – just before we got on this uh, podcast, I rewatched it. So I, I just want to make sure I pronounce it right. It's Tumalawa. How do you do it, Dave? Tumalawa. Yeah. Okay. He absolutely destroyed Bryce Effner in the game last year. He worked exclusively on the right side the, against Penn State's right tackle. He did play a little against Olu. But all the all the big plays in the second half, he just trampled poor Bryce Effner. I I know that he has played um, on the right side of the defensive line and gone again. He went against Alt, who's a left tackle. If I'm Jim Knowles, me too, man. I know I, where you're going. I'm going to line him up against Caden Wallace, force Penn State to have a tight end on his hip the whole game because Penn State likes to do so much with their tight ends. That's going to limit what Penn State can do offensively. That is the game plan. I am not wasting him against Olu. I think that that would be a tragic mistake. Apparently, he doesn't like to work that side. Uh, he he much more likes to work under his his left shoulder. And fine. I mean, I don't care what he <laughs> likes. I'd I'd do exactly what you're talking about because that's the vulnerable edge in Penn State's offensive line. I I think he's playing possum. I think he's just saying that. <laughs> Uh, he could be. Maybe I'd just- be like, "Oh man, I I can't wait against. I can't wait to go against Olu. I hate playing the left side, man. I am never doing that again." And then I would just spend the whole game lined up against Caden. I would. I would. This is for. I mean, this is for NFL future. This is. There's a lot of money on the line. Do you want to get stoned by Olu, or do you want to eat? What do you want to do? This is what we're talking about. This is why if he do if if Jim Knowles does what you say, and I think he should, then Penn State's got trouble over there. They got big trouble. This is why the defenses really should dominate this game. On the other side of the ball, you've got a real target of opportunity for Penn State because these are the two most ordinary offensive tackles I've seen at Ohio State in decades. I don't mean years, I mean decades. <laughs> In fact, the entire offensive line isn't all that great. You got a kid named uh, Josh Fryer at right tackle who is kind of a low-level recruit. Uh, he's a fourth-year guy. Um, in an ideal year, he'd probably be a third tackle, but he's their starter over there. Uh, doesn't have great feet. I saw him get beat against Maryland. Yeah, I remember that play, Dave. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? The kid, Kareem, he was, he's not, not mobile. He, can't, he doesn't have a good first step back. And he's pretty good in the run game, but that is a target of opportunity. The other tackle, Josh Simmons, who was supposed to be the big uh, portal get from San Diego State, he's led the nation in penalties. Uh, he, he, they went after guys in the portal in the winter and didn't get any, and they took him in the spring. Again, he's got blocky feet. Uh, he's kind of a holding penalty machine. Uh, 
their guys inside are probably their best offensive linemen. And maybe that's their best bet is to try to run inside with, with the, this new back, Dallin Hayden, and try to attack Penn State in the middle because they're, as we've always talked about, they're a little small in there. Maybe just plug it between the tackles, run play action, and, and see what they can do that way. Yeah. So if, I, if I'm reading you correctly, none these two offensive tackles do not remind you of Orlando, Pace, or Jim. Oh, Martin. my God. I mean, you can name Ohio State tackles all the way back to Dave Foley. They've always had somebody who could not only make one block but pass block. And these guys just – they look like Purdue, man. They look like Indiana. They don't look like Ohio State tackles. And – if you saw the Notre Dame game, I mean, I don't know what Notre Dame was doing that last series, but they were getting pressure on McCord the whole time. He was getting the ball out quick and just trying to avoid mistakes. And that's what I think. I think what we're going to see is the the lion's share of the Notre Dame game, not the end of it. Yeah, I think I think if Notre Dame had more than six defenders on the field for that last drive, they probably win that. They might have won that game. To to be fair, that did work against them, but. Dave, it just I, I I am struggling even to like envision I, I as good as Marvin Harrison is, I, I know that Manny's pretty much all Manny's been thinking about, I'm pretty sure, has just been how am I gonna how do I somehow either disrupt him or just get him uncomfortable? Uh I yeah, was bracking him, bounce him around, take him away. I was talking we were talking to uh Cleveland.com Stephen Means uh, a little while ago, and he said Marvin is so good that he had if you look at his numbers against the Purdue, he had over 100 yards, some touchdowns, but he had three drops. And that, he, had, he had three drops all of last year, he said. So Marvin is beating himself up over, over that game. So he is, he's pretty focused. And I think that this is good. You're, they're going to see the best version of Marvin. And I, I just think if we think Penn State's, we keep hearing him, and I do believe his secondary is very good, but they struggled. Might, they had a pretty good secondary last year. And they they really could not handle him. I know the other receivers and the tight end, Cade Stover. It's a lot to prepare for, but I just want to see. I, I can they hold Harrison, you know, under eighty yards? Can they do that, or is he going to have one hundred and fifty yards again? I think that's the way Ohio State can win this game. If Marvin is Marvin, I think Penn State could be in a lot of trouble. You 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 just also just me- mentioned the guy who could be a difference maker for them. Cade Stover has been solid all year, very good. And he could get a lot of action in a way that could loosen up Penn State's defense, especially up the middle. They could use Harrison as a decoy and simply throw the ball to Stover because he's a very good underrated tight end. And that's the way you back off the safeties, man. You run him right down the spine. Uh, It could be Ricky Dudley all over again. That's what they did in 1995. It could do it here. I I, I struggle to find a way, though. You didn't really – I don't think I asked you – how are you going to attack Ohio State's defense? What's the starting point if you're Penn State's offense? What what is it? If if they put 44 opposite Olu, I think it's a mistake, and I think that will free up Penn State to use their tight ends in the passing game. Theo, I know. Look, I know it was UMass, right? But the guy is six six two sixty. Tyler Warren is is another guy that I I think I think Penn State probably feels better about attacking. Uh, about featuring the passing game or building the passing game around their tight ends than they do around their their wideouts at this point because I do think Ohio State's corners are legit and if if Burke plays he's he is the real deal I think I think for me I, you know they're gonna 
They're going to stay patient with the running game, Dave. They, they've done it, and they don't really care if it doesn't do anything early. But I think if Penn State makes any plays in the passing game, I think the tight ends are the guys that are going to do it. I think I do. I do believe Penn State's defense is deeper than Ohio State's. I think they have a slight edge even on the road. And the other thing I just want to say, and I know that it, it sounds like it, it doesn't mean much, but honestly, uh, Dave, if Penn State doesn't win this year, I don't know when they're going to beat Ohio State. I really don't. They're going to lose a lot. Of, they're going to lose a lot of good players off this team, and I know they don't play every year. But I this this is the chance to beat them. This is absolutely it. And the words. Of Frank Garvin, Frank Galvin, and I thought you said you were talking about Fred Garvin, weren't you? You were trying Fred to say Garvin. Fred Garvin, not Fred Garvin, male prostitute. <laughs> no, Frank Galvin and the verdict. Do you remember that movie? I think Paul you said something about it in the press box. Paul yeah. Newman. Paul Newman. There are no other cases. This is the case. <laughs> there are no other cases. This is the case. And states they just turned off the podcast, but that's this okay. Is, <laughs> hey, it's a great about. movie. It's a great movie. I know it is. I know. I know. But you have to be a certain age to appreciate it. I don't care. This is a referendum on James Franklin. And that might be why he's been so edgy and testy. And uh, Oh, you know he's wound up. You know yeah, he is yeah. wound tight. And he knows it. Yeah. He, he, he has to know it. He can only go 10-2 and two and beat up Indiana and Rutgers so, all, so long. And this is going to end up like John Cooper for him. And we know what happened there. The, he's, the, they need to win this game. They need to figure out a way to win this game, and I think they're going to. So I guess that is the segue into our predictions. What do you got? It, it is picks time, Dave. We're doing it a little early. We taped this early. We got some travel to get out there, and so we're gonna, we are gonna. We did this a little bit in advance, but I feel good about my pick. Sounds like you feel good about yours. Like I said, I think this is going to be a nasty with a capital N game. I think you're going to see – some vicious hitting. I think Penn State is not. I think Penn State is going to bring on defense their A game. I do believe in Manny Diaz trying to slow down Marvin Harrison as hard as that sounds. Um, and I think Penn State will do just enough on offense. Ultimately, the team that does not, the team that protects the ball the best, has has a great shot at winning this game. I got it twenty three twenty Penn State. And to your point, like I said. This, this is it. They, this is the year to beat them. And if they cannot beat them this year, I know it's on the road. I don't care. I just think that they, they've got <clears> – they're facing a vulnerable Ohio State team at key, at key spots. And Penn State's – I don't know if Penn State's ever going to be better defensively than they are right now. And they're going to lose a lot of guys off this team. 23-20 Penn State. And because of that, they have to stop Ohio State from running the ball. If you see Ohio State running the ball in any kind of four, six, five-yard chunks – they're in trouble. They should be able to stop Ohio State's running game. It hasn't been that good. These running backs, other than Henderson busting a big one on the outside, are ordinary. Uh, they should be able to stop Ohio State's running game. If they can get Ohio State into third and even four, third and five, I think, I think they can really get after Kyle McCord because he's going to have to make some throws. He's going to have to make some plays that he hasn't had to make in tight situations and they can get after these these tackles on the outside especially if they can get into third and long he's going to be under duress so that that kind of mitigates marvin harrison i picked penn state to beat ohio state when the season began uh, i know they're not favored but i always thought ohio state with this ohio state team was going to be vulnerable i got them winning i got penn state winning 20 to 16 
Yeah. Maryland had Ohio State on tilt. They did. In the second quarter, and the Maryland quarterback, Talia, Talia uh, made a critical mistake, and the game changed. It did. I know they had a, they, got, they took the lead again in the third three, quarter. Three. He just threw three balls that you can't even understand where he threw them or why. I don't think Drew will do that. I really don't. I think I think he will throw it away. He'll check it down. But he's been coached up, and I, I don't think he's going to give Ohio State any freebies. Yeah, this is like a, a, a team of Maryland athletes, except with brains. <laughs> we're, we're, I'll say it. I mean, I just – hey, buddy, I just watched them blow a game. I just watched them blow a game to Illinois. Just, just knucklehead stuff. And they've got guys running around. They had Ohio State on their heels. Even as much as Tungavalo was screwing up to that point, that game was 17-17 late in the third quarter. And then he makes another horrendous throw. They still don't get more than a field goal. It's still only 20-17. to Their defense was hanging in there pretty well against Marvin Harrison and all of them. And Maryland's defense, while they got guys to run around, they're kind of ordinary compared to Penn State's. That opened my eyes. So it's just like you said. If you have a quarterback who can just game manage, Maryland wins the game. Or they, they're right there at the end. And that's Maryland, okay? Maryland just lost to Illinois. So that, to me, confirmed what I always thought about Ohio State. And if you can't get them this year, man, cash it in. Give it up. <laughs> All right, that's a great, that's a great way to end this. This uh, Blue White Breakdown podcast, looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to the defense. I know offense is, is, a, is a lot of fun, but I think the way these defenses play, Dave, I think that's a lot of fun to watch too. Me too. 56 degrees and cloudy is what I'm hearing for Columbus in midday on Saturday. So, buddy, you're the only one flying out there. Good for you. And uh, things, things happened. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We'll see you from uh, the, the Horseshoe in Columbus. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.